welcome to Kindergarten Chaos, the Developmentally Appropriate Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to Kindergarten Kiosk. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kathy. And today we're going to talk about fabulous free choice. So my kids love free choice. And what free choice is, is it's their opportunity to do anything they want in the classroom. And I learned early on in my education classes um, from Dr. Sally Pena, if you're out there, (laughs) in 1990s, she told me that one of the greatest components of free choice for children is that when they have the opportunity to choose anything they want to choose in the classroom, they will always naturally choose what their own development needs because kids know their needs and I had at that time when I was student teaching and she was there talking to me about it I had some um, Hispanic students that were probably 98% talking Spanish they didn't know English hardly at all and during free choice they would always run to the playhouse and that's all they would ever do I couldn't get them to go anywhere else and she told me that I was wrong in trying to get them to go anywhere else because of that natural ability for children to know their own needs and choose and so then she talked to me about how Um, in that playhouse that's where they were developing their language and able to practice speaking English in a risk-free environment and so since that day back in 1991 Mm -hmm. I really have had a very um, open opinion of free choice of really kids can go anywhere they want and do anything in the classroom that that we've learned how to use I Um, talk to him at the beginning of when we do free choice of the things that are open are only the things that I have taught them how what to do and how to use the products and so at the beginning of the year I say now if it's free choice and this is open and this is open and this is open and this is open and I found that if I have four things that I really have ready to go and And I do free choice on the very first day of school. And so I want open-ended things like the blocks will be open. And for example, the playhouse I really can't have as a free choice until I've done it in centers or everyone just wants to be in the playhouse. (laughs) And so I don't have free choice until after I've had my first center rotation on that very first day of school. So that they can all get a chance to be in the playhouse before they have free choice yeah. at the playhouse. Yeah, because so if they've some... all been in there once, then free choice, it won't be the novelty they want to go to. They're able to go to all those other options. And and the first day I will have water painting at the art table will be one. I'll just have the water paints and some paper there. Uh, Play-Doh will be one. Puzzles will be one blocks and the playhouse so if somebody were to walk into your classroom while you were doing free choice right now at this point in the year what are some things they would see kids doing well remarkably free choice 
my classroom is the quietest if, <laughs> of the day. I just can't figure it out. <laughs> I can attest to that. Your center time is much louder than free choice. And it was like that in my classroom too. Centers were louder and free choice was much quieter. Yeah, I think that it has to do with the parent volunteers in the classroom also. And so the adults are competing with each other. There's a lot of noise just because everybody's learning and talking. Yeah, and and everything is constant because, like, I'm doing guided reading, which is constant talking. Mm -hmm. They're doing games that are directed, direct games. Parent-directed games. Uh Yeah, so it's constant talking, and the games are constant interaction. Uh-huh. And so, and the art table I usually have open, which is constant talking. And so I think that it's just the nature of the activities. And I don't want to give every anyone the wrong idea. I mean, centers isn't crazy noisy. It's no. just, it's not quiet by any yeah, means. It's, it's just, there's a lot of engaged learning going on. Yeah, there's a, there's definitely a learning buzz to the classroom. But free choice, on the other hand, is like really quiet and calm all of the kids go immediately to the place they want to go and are engaged and I can before I say the word free choice I can tell you exactly where every child is going to go because now that we've today was our 30th day of school and so we've had free choice at least 26 of those days and so I've been really watching them and I take notes about what they're doing and what they're choosing and I can I really can I can tell you exactly where they're going to go and exactly what they're going to do that's interesting I was just thinking and thank goodness to that and thank goodness that Sally Pena in my student teaching experience I had that fabulous mentor that was so um, she had a doctorate in early childhood education and was very early childhood focused and I just feel so grateful that I had her as a mentor so that I knew from that day not to freak out. The kids were going to the same place over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. What are some examples of things that kids choose that you can tell that they need to choose? The um, kids who need language go to the playhouse. What, what like... What about the kids who always choose blocks or who always choose painting? Or what do you see in their growth based on what they choose? I had this one student one time. Her name was Cammie, and she loved painting. And in that my old classroom, I actually could have the painting easel set up permanent. In my new one, I, I have to move it in and out. And so she did choose painting every day during free choice and she would come home with like piles of paintings at the end of the week because she just painted and painted and painted and I just think a lot of of why someone would choose something like that is she seemed just to get it out and just you know uh, art has a lot of stress relief to it Mm-hmm. And I don't know if she was feeling a lot of stress, but it seemed like her aggression and stress was all taken out on it. It was really brush. relaxing for her. Yeah, it was really relaxing. It was kind of like in art this week, we painted Picasso pumpkins. And I am not really good at water painting at all. I, the kids water paint better than I do. But 
um, because we're the per- Beverly Taylor Sorensen, the teacher has to do the project with the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, we get up and help with the That's art teacher. That's part of the grant is that you Part do of the, the grant is the them? teacher has to also create the art project, hmm. which is actually quite fun. Is that and a, I grant, found a, I was, a Utah only grant, the Beverly Sorensen? I'm pretty sure it's grant. a Utah only, but you know, I'm, I don't know. It's a nice grant. Know. Anyway, so you were painting with them. Anyway, I found that that when I was sitting there painting, I thought, man, all of a sudden I'm just feeling so chill. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's how, you know, this girl was feeling that always chose the art center. She just um, really, really felt chill. Mm-hmm. And I have a, another student, and she goes right to the art table and what she's doing, and she's been doing the last couple weeks, is making books out of the paper. She's figured out how to fold them into quarters and staple them and, or cut them into little shapes. She's making fabulous books that would make Dr. Jean proud, who's the <laughs> queen of making books. And she's come up with making all those books all on her own, and she's now teaching kids how to make books at the table. <laughs> But the thing that I've noticed about why I feel like she needs it is she's making these books and every one of them is to mom. And then I found out that her mom has a new job and has long hours. And so she's missing mom. And that's Mm -hmm. her way of dealing with that emotion of she's missing her mom is she goes right to the art center and she's making her mom a book. I had um, a boy last year. And this little boy didn't just go once in a while. He started going every free choice to the art center. And he was very artistic. And I noticed the thing he started doing was creating crowns. And he, he was very, he could, t- he, he could take paper and like stack it up to make like those um, 3D objects and he just was coming up with this all on his own and so he started making crowns that actually when you put them on you they would pop up like a wow. card I wow. don't know how he did it it was amazing wow and so uh, the girls were going just crazy about it because it was so they were beautiful mm-hmm. and so he would. He had an order of people that he would make these crowns for during free choice. He was taking orders. He was taking orders and making these crowns, and the girls could hardly wait till it was their turn to get one of these pop-up crowns. And I, and it was amazing what it did for him because he he came in to school. He he's a Hispanic student right from Mexico, and he didn't know any English and very very shy and and not really a confident student at all. And to watch him blossom at the art table, taking orders for his pop-up crowns Mm. was just amazing. And then all of a sudden I noticed that at this time, his academics started to really increase because he started taking a lot more risks with, with language and he just really started blossoming in a lot of ways. And I really attribute it to that free choice opportunity because if he wouldn't have had that opportunity to find something he was really skilled at and get all that attention from, I think he would have continued being the quiet, little, shy, um, reserved kid. Heck, I wanted a crown. They were fascinating. I, sounds amazing. <laughs> I wish you'd have saved one so I could see it. 
I know, I should. I'm sure he's still making them. I'm sure he's in first grade now. Still making. Running a crown factory. Pop-up crowns. <laughs> I have his little sister this year. I'm interested to see if if she is If he taught her how to make a pop-up crown? She has never chosen to go to the art center during free choice. She has always chosen to go to the playhouse. Mm. I have these really cool alphabet transformers, and I found them on eBay from Japan. <laughs> they I thought took you got couple... them from Lakeshore. They're not from you know, Lakeshore? Lakeshore now, I think, makes them. But you found them but on I eBay? Bought them from... year, I bought them years and years and years ago uh, from Japan. They came from Japan. Hmm. Because when I took over my old classroom, there was one alphabet transformer in the classroom. And I asked the teacher who I'd taken the room from and asked her about it and she told me that um sometimes she had the whole set but they'd all broken and so I just I knew they existed so I started researching and that was the only place I could find was Japan (laughs) (laughs) but I think I did see them on um Lakeshore I don't know we'll have to investigate and see Anyway, I have these transformers, and hey, I bought your son a set. You did, and they love them. Yeah, and they are really popular. The kids just love them. And one thing I really like about them is lots of the little boys that choose those alphabet transformers over and over again are kids who really don't know their letters. And so it's really fun to listen to them talking about, you know, in a robot voice, I am turning into the letter, what is this letter? You know, and asking for help from each other. And and that's one that's really popular. And the Block Center, of course, is fabulous. And, mm-hmm. and kids come up with the most innovative, wonderful, fabulous stuff at the Block Center. I just love watching them there. And then there's the kids who go every free choice to the computer center. So that's when I start thinking that maybe Sally Pena gave me that advice in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> and so now I'm going to up that advice a little bit to... Well, you did give that advice about kids choosing what they need before technology really was as much a part of our lives as it is now. And I think something that's great about computer games is that they are so good at making kids feel successful because they have this built-in reward system and built-in advancement system that just gives you so much great feedback that I think there's a lot of kids who will go back to that over and over again because it's such an efficient way of feeling rewarded through a computer game. But I do think that you do need to pull them away sometimes so that they can try more challenging things for to get that same rewarding, that same internal reward. Yeah, exactly. One student in particular that has chosen the computer over and over and over again, I talked to him earlier in the day, just when I had him where I could just talk to him privately, and I said, now today during Free Choice, I'm really going to, um, today during Free Choice, I really hope that you'll choose something before you choose the computers. Maybe you could try the block center or the art or the toys or the Legos or something else. And then 
after you play that for a while, then it's okay if you go to the computer. And so I try to guide them to something. Now, I'm not going to tell him that that's what he has to do. But then the next day, if he went right to the computers, the next day, then I will just, I've got Chromebooks, so I'll just push all the lids down. And I'll say, now, during free choice, I'm sorry the computers aren't open today. And so um, they're closed. You just close them every once in a while. Yeah, I just close them every once in a while. The iPads are the same thing. I I only pull the iPads out on the tables maybe two twice a week for free choice because of the same thing. I just I want technology to be available to them some days for a free choice, but I want them to. One of the purposes for free choice is for them to develop their interpersonal skills and cooperation skills and, and emotional technology skills. technology can be kind of solitary. It can. It, technology is very solitary. And so I just want to do my job to let them experience those other things mm-hmm. in a fulfilling way. How do you manage the classroom while they're making choices? Because I'm sure you only have a limited amount of space around the art table and a limited amount of space in the dramatic playroom center. And if the technology's out, you only have a limited amount of iPads or Chromebooks or whatever is out. So how do you manage the classroom if there's more kids that want to be in an area than there's room for? So what I want to do with free choice, because... The purpose of free choice is for children to be able to develop their interpersonal skills, their emotional connections and cooperation and and self-control and on and on and on, all of those important skills that they can develop. So I really want kids to self manage as much as they can. For example, the art table, there's six chairs around the art table that kids can fit comfortably. But if someone goes and they want to go to the art center and they figure out that they can stand and squeeze in or they can work on the floor or they can take their stuff to another table, I just let them figure it out. I don't limit it. I don't tell them, hey, that's full. I want to see what they, they will come up on their own. And they come up with really some interesting ways to crowd in to a center. And the playhouse, I do have to limit to six. And I just tell them that if you're in the playhouse, when you leave, you have to go walk around and ask if anybody wants to go in the playhouse. Or if you're one that wants to go in the playhouse, you just keep your eyes on the playhouse. And when you see somebody leave, you can go in. So that is the only one that I do limit. The others, you know, limit themselves. Like I have six Chromebooks. I have four iPads. I have... um, five tag readers and so those kind of things are limited but as far as the toys go and the blocks people can join in all over the place and kids they don't have that same space bubble adults do they can work in very crowded places and I try to encourage them to scatter around the room with the blocks and the toys and yet they're all still all in one little heap. They don't want to. On the carpet. (laughs) No, they don't want to. Kids love to be in a clump and I don't want to discourage that because we need to learn how to work in a group Mm -hmm. and we need to learn how to squeeze in and fit. Make room and make room and today there was the problems from it is today there was two kids that were making some pretty 
fantastic buildings and using a lot of um, math strategies as they were building it. And I was really interested in watching them. And, and unfortunately, two kids were to the side of him playing with the alphabots. Mm -mm. And the alphabot flew up into the air and crashed their building down. Aww. And the one girl, you know, made the squeal at the beginning. And the little boy she was playing with said, Oh, no, our building has been destroyed by alphabots. We must rebuild it. <laughs> And I just thought that was so cool because my reaction would have been hers. You know, ah! <laughs> he ruined my building. But the other little boy just problem solved so quickly. And that's just a skill that's going to um, carry over. See him well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the little girl learned from that because she just immediately thought, well, okay, I guess I overreacted. And, and we so, can fix this. We can fix yeah, this. Yeah, we can fix this. So what kind of modeling do you have to do to set up free choice in your classroom? It, it doesn't take much, does it? Once you model how to use all the materials, you just kind of let them go, don't yeah. you? Or is there more to really, it Really, the only thing that I worry about is I want them to know how to take the material out, use it appropriately, and clean it up. And you've introduced and most of the materials in centers first, right? Yeah, in centers. Mm -hmm. In small groups, in centers. So they've used the materials before, and they know how to play, with, how to get them out, and play with them, and put them away, right? Yeah. I'm wondering if and there's any. And they know any, where everything goes. I'm wondering if there's any speed bumps to managing free choice that people might want to be aware of. You know, I absolutely love free choice, and usually during free choice, I use that time to pull kids over, to do um, like RTI type power pocket activities um, I call the kids over to maybe practice their names and use it really on targeted instruction and I don't keep them long I just keep them maybe three minutes maximum so I'm doing those fast activities because I want them to get back in mm -hmm. so how much of your class time is dedicated to free choice so I Always Friday. Friday free choice mm -hmm. is always. Do you do it last? That's I give them a. Do you do it yeah, the end of the day? I give them a really nice chunk of free choice. How long? On Fridays, and we call it Friday free choice. How long is about it? About forty-five minutes. minutes. They get about forty-five minutes on Friday. All of the rest of the times are anywhere from fifteen to thirty minutes, and they always if we get everything done during the day then I have that last 20 minutes of the day that I try to have free choice then also I think what you need to do is you just need to look at your day and and um, find the minutes that you have I keep thinking about what Christy Allison and Cheryl say in their purposeful playbook because they talked about how if you're really worried about meeting your academic goals if you'll just find some room in your day for at least 20 minutes of play, then you're going to see so many rewards from that. And I think you're a big advocate of that, too. I think that's that exactly, too. yeah, that's exactly what it is. It, it's not, can I afford to do free choice in my classroom? Can I afford to find 20 minutes of free choice in my classroom? Really, it's, can I afford not to find 20 minutes of free choice time in my mm -hmm. classroom 
it's so because it goes back to what I learned when I was a student teacher that kids have urges and needs and they know how to fulfill those if things are provided for them. If they're just given if the chance. If opportunities are provided. If they're given the chance. Like my little crown maker, he just blossomed and he never would have had the chance to blossom if I would have not had a free choice opportunity for him. Well, we learned so much about the power of investigative learning, don't we? And then yeah, the play is kind of the investigative learning of the early elementary, early childhood classroom, right? Mm-hmm. Investigative is hard to say. Find the time in your day. Use every minute of your day to the fullest so that you can maximize the times for free choice. Sounds good. Thank you for listening, everyone. If you want to learn more about us, then you should visit us at www.kindergartenkiosk.com or you can write to us at kindergartenkiosk at gmail.com. Happy free choice, everyone. Happy free choice. Kindergarten Kiosk is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, a network of podcasts for educators, by educators. For more information, visit edupodcastnetwork.com. That's E-D-U podcastnetwork.com. Now can I listen to it?